Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Happy Wednesday, football fans, and welcome into another edition of the Pro Football Chase Podcast. I'm Isaac Sines, and I thank you for joining me. In today's episode, NFL defensive tackle Jarrell Worthy and I preview Week 8's matchups and discuss some potential trades that could go down ahead of October 29th's deadline. We also discuss underappreciated storylines from Week 7 and what's next for the Chicago Bears and Mitchell Trubisky. This is the Pro Football Chase Podcast, a podcast that has featured interviews with Rams wide receiver Robert Woods. 32,000 yards, uh, and you know, last year, unfortunately, I got hurt mid, mid, way in the season, but other than that, just, just working and grinding to, to get to this point, and uh, probably broke it with a lot of games left. Packers wide receiver Marquez Valdez Scantling. Uh, just with the fact that we got a, you know, uh, all pro on the other side of the ball, um, um, so when you got a guy like that, you know, that's who's going to get the main focus. Um, obviously, you know, people start to know my name a little bit after I made a few plays here and there. Broncos offensive guard Ronald Leary. It would either have to be a counter or a pin and pull play when we get on the edge and run. Uh, I think it's always impressive when big guys can get out that stance and move and hit somebody. So. And rising stars Dalton Risner, Charles Amenahu, and Jawan Williams. This is a podcast that offers player perspectives from some well-decorated veterans, including T.J. Hushman Zada. And people will say, oh, well, if that person got a franchise quarterback, uh, look, look at his record, doesn't it tell you he is. Oh, he has a great defense, he has his Ezekiel Elliott. You tell me a quarterback in the entire NFL that's not time break that does more with that. Game previews, recaps, and analysis. Turn the volume up. The chase is on, and the chase is live. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome into the Pro Football Chase Podcast. It's Isaac Signs with you and my co-host, NFL defensive tackle Jarrell Worthy. It is October 23rd, so we're moving right along here in the NFL. Week 8 coming up, so we're almost at the halfway point of the NFL season. So, Jarrell, how you doing today, brother? Man, I'm doing excellent on this uh, beautiful day. I'm spending time down here in beautiful Georgia. It's not like how it is up north. Uh, so I get a chance to experience some sunshine today, and uh, I'm just excited about this week of uh, games coming up, man. For sure, man. There's some beautiful weather coming in. We're already 
approaching November, so a little bit of uh, some cooler weather. So it definitely does feel like fall, so that's always a good thing. But, Jarrell, let's turn the page, man. The NFL trade deadline's coming up on Tuesday, October 29th. So we're still a little bit of ways off from it, but we've already seen plenty of trades, a slew of them actually, starting on Monday. So, you know, the business side of the NFL never sleeps. And started on Monday when the Texans bolstered their secondary once again, acquiring former first-round pick corner Garyon Conley from the Oakland Raiders. The Raiders received a 2023rd-round pick in exchange. Now, Jarrell, this trade makes a lot of sense for the Texans considering the injuries that they have at the position. Starters mm-hmm. Jonathan Joseph, Bradley Roby have both missed some time with hamstring injuries. And then you got a guy like Conley who brings some upside He's had an interception, two pass defenses. This season alone, 24th overall pick in 2017. So what are your thoughts on that trade? Um, I think it's a, a great situation for him, man. You have, you're coming into a secondary that's been depleted with injuries. Uh, you have an opportunity to uh, um, basically uh, get your career back on track. Uh, Houston's a great place to play. Um, the fans are there are great. Um, their tech, their their defense uh, on most occasions are rolling pretty well. And so um, when you have an opportunity to come in and right away impact the team, um, you should be ecstatic about the opportunity. And I think that uh, given uh, this chance to come down to a te- uh, to a Texas team that's competing for a division uh, title, um, I think you have a, a great chip on your shoulders to be able to prove that you're worth the trade. And sometimes a change of scenery is all you need for a player like Conley who wasn't selected by the current regime there in Oakland, right? Because, you know, Mayock is there, John Gruden. So that tends to happen a lot, Jarrell, where you see players on the move from franchises that the GM that selected them is no longer employed by the organization. And so in this case, Mayock decided to get a third rounder in exchange for Conley. He gets a new start there in Houston and a chance to contend for a division title and beyond. So let's go ahead and take a look at the next trade. This one, I feel, is just putting the NFL on notice. It's not fair at this point. The Patriots acquiring Mohamed Sanu from the Atlanta Falcons for a 2020 second round pick. This happened Early Tuesday morning, so Belichick and the Patriots, they throttled the Jets on Monday night, and they wasted no time in upgrading that offense, acquiring the 30-year-old pass catcher from Atlanta, who's going to give New England another inside target, especially on third down. He's going to help take pressure off Julian Edelman. So, Jarrell, what are you uh, thinking about this deal that's going to set another valuable receiver to the Patriots? Um, well, congratulations to Bill Belichick for always manipulating the NFL in the fashion that he does. Um, the Patriots just seem to continue to get richer. I think that, uh, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of speculation with Tom Brady. And, you know, obviously, you know, whether it's his last year or not, you know, with Adam Scheffner and coming out with the things that he talked about uh, this past Monday night, I think. Um, you have to believe that, you know, Belichick is going all in in this occasion. And so. You know, when you sign a guy like Antonio Brown and then you come back and you sign a a player like Mohamed Sanu, you continue to keep trying to give Tom Brady uh, the best chance in order to win another championship. And I think um, with the addition of him and, and you know, obviously Julian Julian Edelman's there. Philip Dorsett's been uh, playing phenomenal uh, this year. Um, You know, Brady obviously always needs that big body type of guy where he can just kind of throw you open a guy that uh doesn't necessarily need routes in order to uh to catch big passes and so i think when you have a big guy like him coming in to impact a a team that's already uh undefeated man uh i I know he's ecstatic going from a team that's one and seven to a team that's seven and no so i know he's fueled about getting in there and getting to work and um tom brady can can only be excited about a, a young player that brings uh such an upside to the to an already uh thriving offense Sanu, he's in his eighth season. He's got 33 receptions for 313 yards and one touchdown. So you know that Falcons team, they have been struggling up and down on a roller coaster. So 
yes, he's going to welcome a new challenge there in New England. And one thing I like about this deal is that Mohamed Sanu is one of those gritty receivers that he's going to go about his business. He's a physical wide receiver where he's going to block a corner and he's going to block him to the whistle blows. Very aggressive. And so he fits that Belichick mold. And I feel like this is a picture-perfect setting for a player like Sanu to thrive and continue to showcase that he's still in his prime. A lot of people have been questioning him about his low usage rate. And, well, he was already a part of an offense that has Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. So now he gets to go to New England where you know Tom Brady's definitely going to be looking his way in the red zone, especially with Josh Gordon battling a knee injury. So big upside move there from the Patriots. Let's go on to another pass catcher that is now in a new environment, and it's Emmanuel Sanders as he was traded to the San Francisco 49ers, who are the second unbeaten team in the NFL along with the New England Patriots. The 49ers sent a 2023rd and 4th round pick to Denver, but they also included a 2025th round pick with Sanders in the deal. What are your thoughts on this one? I think this is phenomenal. Um, When you have a guy that can uh, run the whole route tree like Emmanuel Sanders, um, a veteran that comes in and knows the ins and outs, uh, of a Shanahan style offense, uh, you have to understand, you know, being in Denver, they always want to have a, a good stretch running style game. And I think the West Coast and the, the familiarity as far as the, the language will be there with Kyle Shanahan and his offense. Um, then you have a guy that, that basically can run all those intermediate routes, intermediate routes and all the play action pass uh, becomes alive now, you know, because, you know, you have Marcus uh you got Marcus Goodwin going over the top, man, and he had, he uh, Marquise Goodwin having an opportunity to go deep, and now you have you have a guy that can come across the middle, um, run those 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 shallow dig routes, uh, those drag routes, those deep end cuts um, to be able to open up uh, for those potential chances over the top. And I think this is a, just a great addition uh, to a team that needs to continue to improve offensively and continue to get on the same level as their defense, man. And I think uh, this is going to be a great. Uh, a great addition for them coming down the stretch. Sanders has 30 catches for 367 yards and two touchdowns in seven games for Denver, who are 2-5, and five, so you can believe that they're going to continue unloading veteran players on expiring deals. And he now joins a receiving unit that has Dante Pettis. You mentioned Marquise Goodwin. And then let's not forget about George Kittle, who continues to emerge as one of the best tight ends in the NFL. So the San Francisco 49ers wasting no time and upgrading that offense to an already dominant defense. So San Francisco is certainly a team that continues to put themselves on the radar. And here's the last trade that went down in the afternoon yesterday. A little bit of a head-scratcher from Detroit fans and everything that I've read on the fallout. Quandre Diggs is headed to Seattle, and it looks like the Lions also sent a 2021 seventh-round pick as well as Diggs to Seattle in exchange for a 2025th-round pick. Now, Diggs is a very versatile player. He can play safety, he can play slot corner, just 26 years old. And the thing that makes this trade a little bit interesting, Jarrell, is they had just given him a contract extension not too long ago, and they went ahead and shipped him out there to the Seahawks. And I can see from the Seattle standpoint where they want to bolster that secondary, especially with Tedrick Thompson dealing with some injuries. But this guy can really come in and make a difference on the back end for a Seattle defense that clearly focused on upgrading the front seven, acquiring Jadavion Clowney earlier this season. And now you got Ziggy Ansah. So I really think this is a high upside trade for the Seattle Seahawks as they continue (laughs) to contend for that NFC West title with the undefeated 49ers. How do you view this one? I think this is a great addition for Seattle. I think it also sends a message that um, Detroit is starting to realize, you know, what type of team they really are over the first six and seven weeks of the season. Um, They've been in games where they've had opportunities to compete, but just realize that their personnel is really not going to get them uh, where they want to be in order to be successful. And so, uh, I think that they're going to be in a position that Denver's in where they're going to start started to um, to unload those types of contracts um, as far as the veteran players. Uh, but I know that Diggs is a, a guy that can really come in and, and play in multiple positions within the defense. And I think that Seattle uh, can definitely improve in their secondary. Their front seven is there, you know, obviously with, uh, with Ziggy Ansah and Clowney and Bobby Wagner. 
Um, those guys are going to be able to compete at, at a high level week in and week out. I think it's just a health issue for, for just a couple of them of the group. But if you have opportunities uh, to bolster your secondary, I think that uh, Seattle made a great move and adding a, a veteran player that can play um, in multiple multiple positions. Um, but I think it's just really a testament to Detroit and how they're going to uh, start to look at their season moving forward. Uh, you know, I know they have the the game coming up against the Giants, but it's just going to be a very tough, tough, uh, tough haul for them to really try to compete within this division, um, especially with how the rest of these teams are, are starting to unfold. Right. The Vikings starting to play some good football as well. So they may be sellers uh, at the trade deadline. We'll see how this continues to unfold. They know Darius Slay and a couple of the Lions uh, secondary players were not happy with Diggs leaving town, but that's the way it goes. So now for the fun part of this segment, Jarrell, we're going to become GMs for the moment here on this podcast, and we're going to discuss a couple of trades that we would like to see go down ahead of next Tuesday's deadline. And this is always uh, something fun to do because you know what? We can imagine and we can put different players in different scenarios, and it's just kind of a cool thing to sort through. So on that note, Jarrell, why don't you go ahead and share one of your trade ideas and how it can impact the contending team? Man, uh, this is it was pretty tough, man, because uh, there's a few players out there that I want to actually go through. Um, if I have to, uh, if I'm going to stick with a certain team that needs to uh, to make an impact at the trade deadline, I mean, the number one team that I would go with um, is the Kansas City Chiefs, and I think they need to address some some issues defensively. So, uh, the couple trades that I would like to see would, would be within their front seven. I understand that their secondary has been up and down, but I think everything kind of starts up front. So, the the uh, a couple guys that I would like to see uh, end up in a Kansas City uniform at the uh, at the trade deadline. Number one is uh, Damian Harrison. Um, snacks uh, from Detroit, uh, piggybacking off the situation that we just discussed with Detroit, understanding what type of team that they have. I understand that Snacks is a, a very integral part of their defense. Um, he was looking for an extension uh, this past offseason and uh, the, the season before. And and so, you know, I'm, I'm sure that he wants to go to a place where he feels really appreciated. And I think that Kansas City could definitely use his services um, to be able to stop the run up front to give these, this young secondary an opportunity to be successful. And so with Damian Harrison, I think I would love to, to see him in a Kansas City uniform, um, even though he signed a one year extension. Uh, with Detroit, I think that he's in a position where they can move him and uh, and Kansas City would love to have his services. And the second guy would be Cam- Cameron Hayward uh, out, of, out of Pittsburgh going to Kansas City. Um, one being uh, Pittsburgh is, is having a lot of money invested into the guys up front with him and it, as well as having guys that they on the back end that they're going to have to that they're going to have to pay as well. And so I think that um, Pittsburgh is in a position to overhaul. They're going to be looking for new management after this season. I think that Tomlin's not going to have an opportunity to come back, um, which is a very sad case given the fact that he's a very good coach. And uh, But I think Cameron Haywood, is, uh, being a crafty veteran, a guy that can play pass and run in a, in a, in a 3-4 scheme like uh, the Kansas City Chiefs runs, I think that he would have a great success and, and bring um, that type of leadership and hard nose uh, that the Kansas City Chiefs need. Yeah, those are a couple of good names there. Damon Snacks Harrison, we know he is the best run-stuffing defensive tackle in the NFL, and the stats back that up. But Cam Hayward, that is an interesting one, Jarrell. You know, I I think it makes sense for Kansas City, who's dealing with a lot of injuries. Chris Jones, who's been out with that groin strain, he's actually returning to practice today. So Kansas City is very excited about that, but they still have a void with Xavier Williams on injured reserve, their starting nose tackle. So those are some interesting trade ideas for a Kansas City team that needs to bolster that defensive front. I have a couple of trades, and one of them has to include uh, an interior defense alignment. So let's keep it in this area. I have Jets defense alignment Leonard Williams heading to the Indianapolis Colts. Williams mm. has uh, been garnering trade interest from multiple teams around the league as Jets GM Joe Douglas, who's on the first year there in New York, and he's going to look to overhaul the roster with draft picks. As you know, Leonard Williams was selected by former GM Ryan McCagnin, so there is some disconnect there. Plus, Williams is on his fifth-year option, meaning he's going to become an unrestricted free agent after the season. So you can see the Jets, 
who took another big loss on Monday night. They're going to be unloading these players to get draft picks and rebuild in that regard. But Williams, you know, he's underwhelmed a little bit this season. He's coming off a five-sack season in 2018, but he is still explosive at the line of scrimmage. He has an immense upside. And you look at the Colts who are a team that are currently number one in the AFC South, beating the Texans last Sunday. And they could sure use an upgrade there on their defensive line, a play alongside Danico Autry and Margus Hunt. I think Matt Eberflus, the defensive coordinator there in Indianapolis, would love to get his hands on a guy like Leonard Williams who can disrupt things up the middle, having Darius Leonard there at the second tier, their linebacker, roving from sideline to sideline. So I think this can make a lot of sense. And mind you, Jarrell, the Colts currently are number one in the NFL for cap space. So should things work out with Leonard Williams in the second half of the season, they would have the assets to sign him to a long-term deal. So Leonard Williams to the Colts is one of my trade ideas. Man, I think that would be phenomenal. Um, you talk about a team that's, that's right there in the division. Uh, Jacoby Brissett is starting to to pick things up, as as you can see with his display last week, and um, you know with Justin Houston there and and um, that team looking to bolster their their guys up front, man, I think why not? You know you're gonna have to have guys to be able to com- compete um, and run down a guy like Deshaun Watson because it's really gonna come down to those two guys with within that the division. Um, the Titans have really started to slack off, and I don't necessarily think that they're gonna be going anywhere and. Um, the Jaguars are kind of really a hit and miss uh, type of situation. Um, they're going to be having to deal with some things, especially when Nick Foles is one to return and and uh, Gardner Minshew and the mania that he presents. And so I just think that it's going to be too many distractions for them to compete. And so the Colts and, and the Texans are going to be right there head in head. And so why not uh, pick a guy like that um, to be able to bolster your defensive line and get out there an explosive guy like Deshaun Watson. So I, I would agree with you. And here's another one that I got for you, Jarrell, and it's uh, another defensive tackle. So I'm really loving this uh, trade idea because we're giving some credit to the men in the trenches. And this one has to do with Bengals defensive tackle Geno Atkins. Now, Zach Taylor, to preface this trade scenario, Zach Taylor has been very open about listening to trade offers for veteran players considering that they're in a rebuilding mode. They have not tally to win this season but Geno Atkins 31 years old he's on a big contract so there would have to be some obstacles to overcome for the Bengals and another team to work out a trade for Atkins but the one team that I love to see Geno Atkins on and he would really help this team it's the Dallas Cowboys we know the Dallas Cowboys have had issues stopping the run they have Antoine Woods they have Malik Collins but they've been inconsistent, Drew. We've seen many rushing attacks go up against Dallas and just absolutely shred them. But Geno Atkins to Dallas makes a lot of sense. The Cowboys obviously have to pay a couple of more players in Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott. But Atkins is under contract through the 2022 season, so it's not like they're going to have to dish out a brand new deal. And getting a player like Atkins, who's 31 years old, it's not going to cost a fortune either, maybe a third, fourth round pick or something like that. I think he's a guy that can come in and be an impact player from uh, the first game he's with the organization, and it could make a lot of sense. He's got 25 total tackles, three tackles for loss, and three sacks this year. We all saw Dallas make the big splash trade for Amari Cooper this time last year. So who knows? Maybe another one's up Jerry Jones' sleeve. Man, you would love that. That's the that's that's what's so funny. You would love that. I know for a fact. At the end of the day, man, um, you would be feeling really good on this side, man. You know, if you had opportunity um, to pick up a player like that, bro, I think um, it would be a, a great addition um, to their front. Uh, and, I, and I definitely think the Dallas Cowboys are in need um, of some depth there. I think that they have good players there, but I think that they are in need of definitely some um, some additional help in the middle. Uh, but if I had to just give you one more guy, I'm giving you one more go guy. Go for it. Go for it. And we've talked about uh, we've talked about this team before. You know, head coach Zach Taylor um, and the Bengals talking about uh, you know uh, being able to trade um, a lot of veteran guys on their team. I think um, the one guy obviously on their list and uh, the t- at the top of a lot of guys' list is AJ Green. I think um, if he had an opportunity to go within conference um, to the Buffalo Bills. 
I think uh, it would be a great addition to their already bolstered secondary. But um, having a guy having a guy like Josh Allen being six four, uh, throwing to uh, you know guys like Josh Brown being five ten and um, Cole Beasley being five nine five ten, I just don't necessarily see that formula working out in in, uh, in the long term. And when you bring in a guy like AJ Green, six four receiver that can uh, get off the press, um, run past uh, a lot of guys, he's going to be coming back from injury soon. Um, having an opportunity to uh, bolster their uh, offensive second, I mean, their offensive attack um, and, and be able to, to, to have an opportunity to compete with this, uh, with this elite defense. And um, I think AJ Green will give, give Buff, the Buffalo Bills an opportunity to be able to compete for the division uh, moving down the stretch. When you look at the games between uh, Buffalo and New England, New England looked absolutely terrible against Buffalo. That was probably one of their worst performances offensively um, up to this point uh, this season. And they were able to win uh, 19 to 12. But I think that um, if you have an opportunity and, and you have the ball late in, in a game situation with, with a guy like A.J. Green and a guy like Josh Allen who could move the ball, move the chains with his arm and his feet, I think you definitely give this team a, a, a chance to be able to compete against the juggernauts that's been in their division for a number of years. You know, Zach Taylor has come out and said, we're not trading A.J. Green, and now reports surface that Green's not going to return till after the trade deadline. But you know, as well as anybody else, Jarrell, that deadlines make deals. And if a team comes Absolutely. if a team comes across with an offer that the Bengals cannot refuse, considering that Green is on the final year of his deal, then who knows what can happen. But yeah, the Bills are a team that are only at one loss right now. They're in the thick of it with the New England Patriots, so why not? And if not A.J. Green, I can see some other potential targets out there that Buffalo could turn to as they look to make a big-time push for the playoffs as well. So those are some trade ideas ahead of next Tuesday's deadline. And I'm sure on Wednesday, there's going to be plenty more of trades to discuss and recap and factor in for the remainder of the season. But let's go ahead and segue to some fact fiction. There's a couple of statements here before we get into some game picks and then some fan questions that I picked out. So, Jarrell, the first one here has to do with the Chicago Bears, Mitchell Trubisky. We saw them. They looked atrocious last Sunday against the Saints. Their offense, anemic, slow-moving. Trubisky has really struggled with his reads down the field. So here's the statement, and we'll discuss whether it's a fact or fiction. The Chicago Bears should own their mistake of drafting Mitchell Trubisky second overall and bench him in favor of Chase Daniel. What say you, Jarrell? Um, I would have to go with fact. I just think that, you know, Chase Daniels is a proven quarterback. I understand that there's a height issue there, but there's a height issue there with Mitchell Trubisky as well. And so I just think that um, when you look at Chase Daniel overall, um, he's been the highest paid backup um, of his career, at least four, at least four to five years out of his career. He's been the highest paid backup in the league. Um, it's been a reason why Andy Reese kept him around for so long, traveling from uh, Philadelphia to Kansas City um, and 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 having those opportunities as well. And so I think that when you look at uh, when you look at uh, Chase Daniel, man, I, he he brings a, a a moxie about him at the quarterback position that even though that he's a even though he's short, um, he's willing to compete. He's willing to contend. He's been that way ever since Missouri. And I just think that there's a I think that there's a a, a certain um, rhythm there when they have uh, Chase Daniel out there. I think that Mitchell Trubisky, when you have we have opportunities um, to get him in, in in extended plays where he uh, has to read defenses and read coverages. It's very tough for him. And so um, he's he's kind of had the, the Sam Donald effect where he's kind of seeing ghosts and he's making these decisions. And and um, it's necess- not necessarily improving the team. But I just think overall, man, the Chicago Bears have to find a playmaker on offense. They have a, they have to find some guys that uh, – that can hit the home run plays, you know, uh, Tariq is, uh, Cohen is definitely used. He, he was the guy last year. It's been tough for him this year, but, um, they, they have to find somebody, whether it's uh, be a quarterback or whether it's uh, another skill position, because this offense has to improve, uh, because their defense is elite. We know that they can compete. And so, uh, this offense has to improve. I would say fact as well. At this point, Jarrell, I mean, Mitchell Trubisky, the guy still has a lot of football ahead of him. So I think it would be unfair to say that, he doesn't have a future in the NFL, man. But it's pretty rough watching him play because you can tell that Matt Nagy, he's really trying to find play calls that can just fit Trubisky because it seems like anytime 
he gives Trubisky too many reads or an option play. Trubisky just cannot register in time, and it's detrimental to the offense, as we saw. Chase Daniel was moving the ball really well when he was playing when Trubisky was rehabbing his shoulder injury. And so at this point, Chicago, they're clearly underwhelming from what their expectations were at the beginning of the season. This defense is still very talented, but it doesn't help when they're on the field 85% of the time because we saw it against the Saints where they were just worn out by the third, fourth quarter because the offense continued to go three and out. And Trubisky, his inability to identify open receivers down the field and make the throws is very concerning for not only the organization, but for the fan base. It's going to be really interesting the next couple of weeks to see how this offense looks, if there's any improvement. But if not, I would say go to Chase Daniel. He gives you the best opportunity to win, and it's just got to be frustrating for Nagy and for the GM Ryan Pace to see a guy that they jumped up they gave up so many draft assets to take a guy that only started one year at North Carolina when you had Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes who were selected well after Trubisky who are now thriving in the NFL. Yeah man it's uh it's definitely a sad situation Isaac I think when you look at um, the the pieces that they have around them. Um, when you have uh, Burton at the tight end position, you have Allen Robinson on the outside, Tariq Cohen who can act, who can run the football, and as well as pass the ball, as well as catch the ball out the backfield. They actually traded Jordan Howard in spite of the growth and the, and the potential of Cohen. And so, when you look at the pieces that the the organization has surrounded, uh, that's put around him, you have no no choice but to but to kind of have a, a a feeling about Trubisky and the way he, that he's progressed over his first few years of, uh, of the season. And when we looked at their run last year, we knew how great this defense was. We knew that the pieces, um, once the ball gets out of Trubisky's hands, were able to make a lot of big plays. And, um, you know, Matt, Matt Nagy's play calling was uh, was exceptional last year. And so when you look at those pieces, we all kind of thought to ourselves, what was the what was the X factor, the missing piece for them in order to, to get over the hump? And it was really – uh, the quarterback play. I mean, he only threw for um, he threw for under 2,600 yards last year, and it just wasn't necessarily spectacular um, as far as his touchdown to interception ratio. And so, um, I, I personally think that they should be in the market before the trade deadline for some type of quarterback. Uh, whether I wouldn't necessarily say Eli Manning, but I think that the situation down in Carolina presents a very uh, reasonable argument. Um, Kyle Allen has been playing spectacular. We necessarily don't know how the organization feels about Cam Newton or Ron Rivera moving forward. So I think that uh, that would tickle my fancy if I was the uh, the Chicago Bears and I'm in need uh, or I have questions at the quarterback position. Yeah, that's one that is definitely a hot rumor. Chicago, if they were to make a play for Cam Newton, considering Kyle Allen's strong play and their winning streak. But here's a second fact fiction segment. The Arizona Cardinals should be taken seriously after winning three consecutive games under first-year head coach Cliff Kingsbury. I personally would think that's fiction, um, although they've improved offensively and defensively. Um, when you look at the the, 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 pe- the people that they beat, um, you have the uh, the 2-5 and five New York Giants. You have the, the 0-7 uh, Cincinnati Bengals, in which they went all the way down to the wire against this team, um, as well as you have the, the Atlanta Falcons that have looked, I mean, absolutely atrocious over the first half of this season, sitting at 1-6. and six. And so... When you have when you have uh, when you have teams like that 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 you know that have only won uh, a combined three games, you don't necessarily uh, tip your hat off to that to that type of competition. And I think that um, they could easily be uh, they could easily be three and four or or, or in this situation um, or two and five. And so um, I, I don't necessarily want to tip my hat too early about the Arizona Cardinals, although I'm impressed with uh, Murray and his ability to continue to get better week in and week out. Um, their defense is starting to look um, a lot better, especially with the addition of uh, Patrick Peterson being back. And so I think that they're going to continue to, comp- to continue to improve. But in order to compete in this division, man, you're going to have some playmakers with San Francisco playing the way that they are. Russell Wilson having that MVP type of season that he's having, um, as well as the Rams. They're going to have something to say uh, as well. And so I just don't think that it's going to be um, a division that, uh, that the Arizona Cardinals are going to be a top of for, for the next couple of years. 
I would agree. I would say fact to that statement. They're 3-3-1 three, three, and one after this win streak. But again, Jarrell, you know, they took down the Giants on Sunday. And the defense, they certainly showed up to play. Patrick Peterson had his presence felt early in Chandler Jones. I think everybody forgets how dominant of a defensive end he is coming off the edge. He got to Daniel Jones and blew up that entire offense by himself, it seemed like. But the Cardinals' offensive line, they struggled in their first three games. They allowed 24 sacks on Kyler Murray, and since then, they have indeed improved. But to your point, I just think this Cardinals team is a year or two away from actually contending in this difficult division. You look at San Francisco and Seattle and, and L.A. You know, let's not count out the Rams right now. They're 4-3. and three. I know that they went on that three-game losing streak and people put them out of the picture, but they're still very much alive in that division as well with an immense amount of talent following that acquisition of Jalen Ramsey. They think- also have the Bengals this week. So, you know, you know the Rams can get back on track. They got the Bengals this week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for certain. And, and that's... That's perfect. I'm glad you brought up schedules because that's another reason why Arizona, I believe, is going to fall off again because looking at who they got the next four weeks, they got at New Orleans on Sunday, home to San Francisco, at Tampa Bay, which that one's winnable, and then at San Francisco. So they're playing San Francisco two times in the next four weeks and a trip to New Orleans. So I think three of those four games could very well be losses, Jarrell. And once that happens, of course, you can never assume anything, but just the opponents they're taking on, that San Francisco defense and New Orleans firing on all cylinders, rallying around Teddy Bridgewater, and even the Buccaneers, they're still a sneaky team. If Jameis Winston decides to show up and air it out without throwing interceptions. That offense is very difficult to stop. So for those reasons, I think Arizona, they're still a little bit off from being a valid contender. But nonetheless, I mean, it's cool to see them having some success with the number one overall pick, Kyler Murray. Yeah, I think this is just going to breed confidence for the for the for the kid moving forward. Um, you know, you have the you have the look, man. I mean, it's very tough for a quarterback to come in and pick up things on the fly. I mean, that's the hardest position in the sport of football. And so to be able to, to orchestrate an offense, even though it's kind of, they're trying to make it as similar to college as possible. Um, you're going to have your struggles and your ups and downs. Uh, I personally would love to see, you know, David Johnson come back to that type of elite status that he used to have um, a few years ago. And it would, it would be great to see him go out there and, and put that on display. Uh, although it's been very tough for him this past season, even with the contract extension, I just think that, it would be great to see him get back to that type of status. Yeah, and he's nursing a back and ankle injury, and it looks like he's not going to be playing on Sunday because the Cardinals went out and signed a pair of free agents, Alfred Morris and Zach Zinner. So hopefully whatever he's dealing with is not a long-term ailment. But on that note, Jarrell, it's time for our Week 8 picks. So let's go ahead and get rocking here. Thursday night football coming up, 1-6 Redskins at the Minnesota Vikings, 5-2. Now, Jarrell... Adam Thielen was officially ruled out about an hour ago with a hamstring injury, so we won't be seeing him. But Minnesota, they are rolling offensively. Something was said to Kirk Cousins because your boy out of Michigan State has been on fire. He has been very dominant. He's finally building that connection again, restoring it with Stephon Diggs and Thielen and Kyle Rudolph getting these tight ends involved. And, of course, Dalvin Cook, who's just been on a terror this year. So give me Minnesota, 27-13 over the Redskins. Now here's another interesting nugget of information. AP returns to Minnesota, so that at least is going to be something interesting to watch. Man, it's a couple storylines, man. Uh, When you look at it, Kirk Cousins playing against his former team, I know he's going to want to try to stick it to him. So I think that Kirk Cousins is going to have a phenomenal game personally. Um, Adrian Peterson is going to be very emotional coming back. Um, you know, the season isn't going as as, as predicted. Uh, everybody's going to expect him, and it's going to be an, a, an exciting time for him. But I just don't think that Minnesota defense is going to allow him to have any room to breathe. Um, they're playing at home. He knows how great they are at home. Um, it's going to be very difficult for this Redskins offense to get anything going. I personally think it's going to be a blowout. I have uh, Minnesota winning 33-10. to 10. And, um, and dominating uh, over the, the Washington Redskins. Yeah, we both got the Vikings here on Thursday. Now let's go to the first 
game on Sunday. Five and two Seattle Seahawks coming off a loss to the Baltimore Ravens, taking on the one and six Atlanta Falcons. Now Matt Ryan, who's dealing with the high ankle sprain, he may not be available to play. If that's the case, Matt Schaub would start. Now, of course, Dan Quinn told the media today that he is optimistic that Ryan will be able to be out there. But either way, whether Ryan is playing or Matt Schaub's under center, give me the Seahawks 30-17. to I look for them to bounce back against a leaky Atlanta secondary. Right now, those guys are giving up 400 yards on the regular. Look for Russell Wilson to have another big day. So Seattle just too overbearing for a Falcons team that just continues to trend in the wrong direction. Absolutely, Isaac. Uh, Seattle's going to come in. They're going to dominate this game up front. Um, if Matt, if Matt Ryan is playing, Matt Schaub is playing. Whichever Matt's playing, it's going to be a, it's going to be a very, <laughs> it's going to be a very tough time for them, man. I think I think that uh, Russell Wilson has a lot to prove. Uh, these guys kind of uh, dropped the ball uh, last week, and so I think that they're going to be excited, excited, and, and ready to get back and uh, have an opportunity to dominate this week. And so. Um, I personally have the Seattle Seahawks winning um, 28 to 13. I think that they're gonna they're gonna dominate on, uh, defensively, and, um, and, uh, and it's gonna be an exciting game to watch. All right, next game here: the Eagles coming off a beating from those Cowboys. Jarrell, I know you must be hurting inside based off what you saw on Sunday <laughs> night. Um, but now they're gonna have to take on the five and one Bills, man. Who that defense has been dominant this season. Josh Allen looking good. You talked about them earlier in today's show. Give me the Bills to win this one, but very close, twenty to seventeen. A lot is going on in Philadelphia right now. If you read the headlines that the Philadelphia Inquirer is publishing, you got players calling out each other on radio interviews. You had Lane Johnson saying players were showing up late to meetings, and then Malcolm Jenkins disputing that. So there's a lot of drama going on in Philadelphia, and I just think that they'll go up to Buffalo. They'll put up a good fight against the Bills. But right now, the Bills are the better team in all phases of the game, and I look for them to squeak out a tight one 2017 i think um i think it's gonna be a close game man i personally think that it's gonna be the same that um as you i have um i have the score as well um being 20 um to 17 uh but i just think that it's gonna be a very close game man i I don't necessarily i would necessarily i don't necessarily want to to count out the philadelphia eagles Um, every time that we have an opportunity to count them out this is when they play their breast band of football and so um, going in, going in there. I, I know that Bills. I know the Bills Mafia is going to be crazy. I know the Bills Mafia is going to be excited, man. They're going to be crazy. But I think that uh, Philadelphia has a chance um, to win this game. This is a game that they have to win. But so I'm going to go in favor of Philadelphia, uh, twenty to seventeen. I can see that the Eagles tend to bounce back when they have the most adversity. We've seen it a couple of times already. So that's an interesting matchup. Next game here, Chargers two and five. This is another team that is underwhelmed, disappointed since Melvin Gordon ended his holdout. They just have not been in sync. Now, of course, they're dealing with a whole lot of injuries as well, so that could be a factor. But they're taking the road to take on a Bears team, 3-3. Three and three. They're trying to sort their offense out. Who do you have taking this game? Now, I have the Bears winning this one in a close game. Um, it's going to be close. I think it's going to be 18-15. to 15. I know Phillip Rivers is going to come in there and try to battle his, his tail off. Um, he's one of those type of quarterbacks that continues – uh, to sling the ball no matter uh, what the score is. Uh, but this Bears defense needs to to get back on track. I know that they're going to have an opportunity up against Melvin Gordon and those and, and the rest of that offense. And so I look for them to, to be able to run the football as well as stop the run uh, on their end and um, put Phillip Rivers in a couple uh, difficult situations. So I have them winning 18 to 15 um, in a close one. Us two have very similar score lines in this one. I have the Bears winning 19 to 16. I think this defense is actually going to score a touchdown for Chicago. And with the pair of field goals coming from Eddie Pinheiro, I think Chicago pulls it off at home. Next game, Giants at the Lions. Give me Detroit 34-24. It's been a tough go for Matthew Stafford, Matt Patricia, and this whole roster as they've been so close to being an above 500 team but they just have not had things roll their way. I think they route the Giants rather easily by 10. I look for this offense to explode yet again against a Giants secondary that has struggled to contain 
high-powered offensive attacks. Yeah, man, I don't. I'm not necessarily interested in this game as, as much. Um, so I think that um, it's going to be uh, depending on how well the, the Detroit Lions play is going to be the deciding factor of whether or not they want to start trading the rest of their team. And I just believe that the, the Detroit Lions are going to come in there, um, you know, with Gallon going to the to injured reserve. I don't necessarily know how they're going to um, fare as far as the running game, um, but I think that Matthew Stafford is going to be able to put some um, a few balls in the air. So I have them winning uh, in a score of uh, 23 to 13. Buccaneers at Titans. The Titans picked up a win with Ryan Tannehill and their offense looked rather decent. Now they're back at home and their defense was bolstered by Jeffrey Simmons, their first round DT who got a sack first game last week coming off that torn ACL. I like the Titans in this one, this defense. I look for them to jump all over Jameis Winston, who we know at this point is turnover prone. I look for them to pick him off a couple of times to go with a nice dose of that rushing attack with Derrick Henry. So give me the Titans 23-17. I personally agree with you, man. I I think that the the Titans are going to come in. They're going to run the football. Jameis Winston's going to have a couple turnovers. Um, I think it's going to be a very uh, uh, tight and uh, gritty game, like how it uh, was uh, last week for the Tennessee Titans. And so, um, I hopefully Ryan Tannehill can prove me wrong like he did last week because I know I took him. I w- I bet against him in the fact fiction segment that we had, and so I want to um, see if he can he can double down on his success. So I have uh, I have the Tennessee Titans winning um, in a score of uh, twenty four to seventeen. All right, next game here: Bengals at Rams. This one should be a blowout by all accounts, unless something drastic happens. So I think the Rams are going to come out on their home turf at the Coliseum. 37-10 over the Bengals right now. Cincinnati, they cannot protect Andy Dalton at all. And it's getting uglier by the week. This defense is also battling a lot of injuries without Drake Kirkpatrick and William Jackson, two of their starting corners. So I think the Rams will get another win. They'll get back on track. This offense should be flowing pretty well as well. Yeah, I think this is a game where the Rams have opportunity to patent their stats. They have opportunity to go out there and uh, – um, you know, put some new things in, add some new spice to their game plan, man, uh, coming down the stretch because they definitely need to add some flair to their team. And so I have the Rams dominating in a game like this. Um, I, have, I think Aaron Donald's going to get three sacks, especially uh, with, with the way that the Bengals have been protecting Andy Dalton. And so I think this is going to be a blowout. Um, I have them winning in a score of 31 to 10. Cardinals at Saints. Cardinals, we just talked about them, 3-3-1, three, three and one, riding a three-game win streak. The Saints, who continue to just play some hot football behind Teddy Bridgewater. They could be getting Drew Brees back this Sunday. We'll see. If not, he will definitely be back in the starting lineup after their bye. But I think the Saints will take this one at home, 24-20, in a close battle with Arizona. Kyler Murray could have some success against New Orleans secondary. That is probably going to be down Eli Apple. The Saints, though, what they're going to be able to do on the ground as they get Alvin Kamara back from injury, as well as Latavius Murray, who showed out against Chicago, being that bigger physical running back. And then Michael Thomas, that's going to be a fun one-on-one matchup against Patrick Peterson. But New Orleans right now, those guys are just on another level. So I think they'll edge the Cardinals out by four. Uh, I personally think that they're going to win at least by 17. I think that Kyle Murray is going to compete. Um, and they're going to put at least uh, 18 to 20 points on the board. But the way that the way that the New Orleans Saints have, have uh, been built, um, they've been able to to withstand any blow that's come their way. I mean, they lo- they lost their play caller. Uh, you know, Alvin Kamara was out a, a few games. Um, they they went to Latavius Murray, and you have a guy that. Um, they had a lot of success in Minnesota and now, you know, it's kind of being the backup in, in, in New Orleans. And, and so when he has this opportunity, he's been able to shine. And so this offensive line has been proven that they can protect the, the quarterback as well as run the football. And so I think that they're going to win in a score of 34 to 17. Jets at Jaguars. I have the Jaguars winning this one, 28-16. Gardner Minshew, I look for him to have a big day against the Jets secondary that just got obliterated by New England you know Sam Darnold he struggled immensely and right now the Jets they just seem like they're very unstable right now though they have some talent on that defense Jamal Adams they got back CJ Mosley but right now Jacksonville that defensive front they're still very strong Josh Allen Calais Campbell Yannick Ngakwe I look for them to get after Darnold make them very uncomfortable in the pocket they're going to get a couple of turnovers plus 
Leonard Fournette getting in some nice yardage and perhaps a touchdown. So give me Jacksonville by 12, 28-16. Not so fast, man. I think this is going to be a game where, you know, the Jets have an opportunity to come back, man, and it's going to be a pride game for them. I think they're going to win in a close game, uh, 24-17, to but I think that Darnold is going to have an opportunity to, uh, to redeem himself this week. Uh, the Jaguars defense isn't nothing like the New England defense. And so uh, I don't think that they're they're going to have any opportunity to really uh, affect him in the same fashion that New England did. I mean, we're talking about, you know, Bill Belichick up against a very young uh, quarterback. And so I think that the Jets have an opportunity to win um, 24 to 17 on the road. Uh, you're not at home. You don't have your fans. You're down in Florida. Beautiful sunshine. So we'll see if they have opportunity to regain uh, some strength. Broncos at Colts. Give me the Colts 31-17. They're rolling high. Jacoby Brissett continues to play very well. And T.Y. Hilton and Marlon Mack and that offensive line, those guys led by Quentin Nelson, they're beasts, man. And, and they've been able to generate big push at the line of scrimmage against multiple opponents this season. The Broncos, they're in fire sale mode ahead of next Tuesday's trade deadline, already without Emmanuel Sanders. And who knows, Chris Harris may not be there as well. So give me the Colts to win rather easily by a pair of touchdowns. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you, Isaac. I think that the Colts are going to have opportunity to dominate in this game. Uh, I just don't necessarily see that the Denver Broncos are going to come in and have any pack, impact on them, um, especially on the defensive end. And, and, you know, obviously with the departure of Emmanuel Sanders, it's definitely going to be tough for Flacco uh, to be able to move the ball down the field now. And so I think that their defense is going to have a great chance against Phillip Lindsay in this running game. And I think that uh, the Colts are going to have every opportunity downfield uh, with Jacoby Percet, um in the play and pass. So, uh, I personally have uh, the the Colts winning in a score of uh, 21 to 14. I think that uh, Flacco's going to get a couple touchdowns, uh, but it's going to be a, a Colts team. To, it's going to be a Colts game to lose. Now we got the Panthers at the Niners. Carolina four and two. San Francisco remains unbeaten. I think this will be a good game, but actually. I don't think it's going to be as close as a lot of people are pegging it to be. San Francisco, their defense, they've shut down any offense. They've taken the field again. So I look for this to be relatively low scoring. I think they're going to fluster Kyle Allen. They're going to hit him very frequently with that front seven. And look for Kyle Shanahan to put together a nice formulated game plan that will help Tevin Coleman and Jimmy Garoppolo in that offense Hum very well with now Emmanuel Sanders in tow. Give me San Francisco 26-12 to over Carolina. Man, I think that Carolina has a really good shot to be the first team to knock off San Francisco. I, I think that uh, the Panthers' defense, they travel well. They, they've been playing well. They have a, a lot of veteran leadership up front in their front seven. And they continue to they continue to uh, to be aggressive this year, and so I think that if uh, the Panthers come in with with Christian McCaffrey and they run the football effectively, instead of uh, trying to continue to get the ball to him in the in the out in the passing game, if they can control the line of scrimmage and control the time of possession, then I I actually have the Panthers squeaking out a win. Um, 20 to 17 on the road with a late game field goal. I think that uh, the Panthers defense travels well and they're going to have an opportunity to get a, a few uh, turnovers off of Jimmy Garoppolo. Man, if Carolina somehow pulls it out, then you got to be thinking Cam Newton's definitely not going to get that job back after a performance knocking off San Francisco on the road. We'll see. That's definitely an interesting one to watch. The Raiders at the Texans. Kind of funny because they just traded Conley to Houston and Bill O'Brien said today that Conley will indeed play against his former team. I like Houston at home. This offense is very dangerous. When they're clicking, obviously against Indianapolis, they were out of rhythm and I still don't think Houston is as good as everybody believes they are and that's why they lost to Indianapolis. But against Oakland, who absolutely got thrashed by Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, I look for him to do much of the same to that secondary. So give me the Texans in a high-scoring shootout, 35-24 over Derek Carr and the Raiders. We're actually pretty similar as far as the teams and their winning scores. I have uh, the Texans winning 34-13. to I think that it's going to be in similar fashion as what Aaron Rodgers did last week. Uh, when you, I think that Deshaun Watson moves a little bit better than Aaron Rodgers as far as, uh, you know, obviously moving around. I mean, obviously Aaron Rodgers is so crafty about it, but um, Deshaun Watson brings a, a different element to the game in the quarterback position. And so I think the Texans are going to dominate. 
Here's a juicy matchup for you here. The Browns, 2-4, and four, coming out of their bye week, going to Foxborough to take on the New England Patriots, 425 p.m. Eastern time. Looking forward to seeing this one. The Browns, they've taken a lot of backlash in the media for their poor performance, and now they have a chance. This is their golden ticket, Jarrell, to shut up all the critics. If they can go up to New England and beat the New England Patriots, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, However, I personally do not see that happening. I think the Patriots, Bill Belichick is going to get together a game plan. He's got another young quarterback, a vulnerable offensive line there in Cleveland. This New England defense, they show it every single week. They come out, they smash their opponents, and they do it in dominating fashion. Stephon Gilmore locking things up as the number one corner right now in the NFL. So give me the Patriots 27 to 17 over Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I think that the Patriots are going to dominate. Uh, I have them winning 30 to 14. Um, the addition of Jamie Collins this year has, hasn't really been talked about a lot, but he's been the, uh, a really a great centerpiece for their defense and in, in order for them to get back becoming successful again, um, like the same, like similarly before his departure. And so, I think his his addition coming back to the team has been spectacular for this defense. And so playing against your former team, I know he's going to know all the ins and outs of Baker Mayfield and be able to, to predict this game a little bit. And so I have Jamie Collins dominating in this game as well. And so I, I have the Patriots winning 30-14. Now for the primetime matchup, Sunday night football, the Green Bay Packers take on the Kansas City Chiefs. It doesn't look like Mahomes is going to play, although Andy Reid has yet to rule him out. It's going to be Matt Moore for Kansas City. Give me Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers. He is playing at an all-time level with Matt LaFleur, Kansas City's defense. I know they had a strong outing against Denver, but that was Denver and Joe Flacco and not Aaron Rodgers. And so I look for this Green Bay team to go in there to Arrowhead and win this one 31-20 over Kansas City. Look for Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams to find some success against Kansas City's defensive line that continues to battle injuries. Though we'll see if Chris Jones can return, which would be a boost for Kansas City. But Green Bay, just too dominant of a team. Um. I mean, I would agree with you, Isaac, man. I, just, I think that the, the Green Bay Packers are, are, are rolling at this point in time. Uh, I personally thought that they were going to be in a juggernaut type of match last week with the way uh, the philosophy of the Raiders and how they come in and try to run the football. Um, statistically, they did have some success running the football, but this isn't the same uh, offensive line that they'll be facing in the Kansas City Chiefs. So I think the Green Bay Packers are, are in a position to dominate and, uh, and to put everybody on notice uh, Sunday night against the Chiefs. Even... Even with the absence of Patrick Mahomes, I think that the 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 the, the uh, not the Bills, but the Packers have an opportunity to put everyone on notice. Now for the a very lousy Monday Night Football matchup, man. The Dolphins taking on the Steelers. I'm not exactly sure who scheduled the Monday Night games, but it looks like we're gonna have another snoozer. I'm gonna take the Steelers to win big. 30-13, to 13, not so much because of Mason Rudolph, but it has everything to do with their rushing attack led by James Conner, Jalen Samuels, and Benny Snell, the rookie. Miami, you know, although they came out firing and Fitzmagic had something up his sleeve against Buffalo, so I wouldn't count him out going and putting up a fight, but Pittsburgh, I think they're out to make a statement trying to fight for their lives in the AFC North coming off a of bye week, so give me the Steelers big time, 30-13. to 13. This non-primetime game, which is kind of awful, it's just, it just looks <laughs> terrible on the schedule, but I'm going to roll with Fitzmagic. And look, let me tell you something. I love Fitzpatrick as a as a teammate. I love him as a player. Um, he's a true competitor. It doesn't matter who's on his team. He's going to throw the football. Um, the guy went to Harvard. He's going to figure it out. He's going to find a way to try to figure it out, man. And so, like, um, I think Fitzpatrick is going to have an opportunity to uh, upset a lot of Steelers fans in Steeler Nation. Um, it's going to be crazy out there. I mean, the fans are going to always support uh, their team. Uh, but I think that Fitzmagic is going to have opportunity um, and he's going to have some success against this fire zone team that, uh, that the Pittsburgh Steelers are. Um, the fire zone, fire zone defense that the Pittsburgh Steelers run. So I think it's going to be exciting, man. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first from Jarrell Worthy. He's calling for the Dolphins' first victory with Fitzmagic. 
So, man, all right, I like it. You know what? That gives me some reason to watch the game now because now that you're saying Miami's going to take the, the win, so we'll see what happens with that matchup. But let's go ahead and answer two questions here from fans before we end today's podcast. The first one comes from Christian Lopez, and he says, Is it fair to say a football team isn't a good team because their opponents aren't top tier he says this happened to the Cowboys and Patriots this season. So he wants to know, what what's your take on this whole, well, that's not a good team, this is a good team? Uh, well, I think it's all about the product that you present uh, because it doesn't matter about the team that you play against. It, all, it, all, it always, always matters about your performance. Um, when you take a team like the New England Patriots compared to a team like the Dallas Cowboys, they both played the New York Jets. They dominated. Don't go there. Don't I'm just, go there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, hey, look, they both dominated, man. And I just think that uh, I think that the New England Patriots um, had an opportunity. They're, they're having opportunities to really uh, put on display how talented of a product that they have uh, and how uh, well coached of a product that they have. I think that the Dallas Cowboys have all the talent in place. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily seem like they have the chess pieces in the right place on the board. And so I think that the New England Patriots, um, although they necessarily haven't placed the competition that we would like them to see, they're going to have opportunities later on in, later in the season uh, to face tough top face tough competition. Um, don't count out the Buffalo Bills, man, because they gave the New England Patriots a run for their money. But when you're looking at teams that necessarily doesn't play the best talent, you just ultimately go over their display that they've played, uh, that they put on the field, um, you know, while playing the, the lesser teams. I agree with that because, man, look, teams can only play the opponents that's on their schedule. So this whole hoopla about teams not being good because of who they played and whatnot, but it's about what the team shows on film on a week-to-week basis. Is it consistent? Up to this point, we've seen San Francisco, who people will still say they're not legit because, well, there's the question, who have they played, right? But that defense has looked the same every single week, putting the clamps on opposing offenses. Same for the Patriots' defense. It doesn't matter who they face. They've looked dominant. Tom Brady still looks sharp. So all that matters is if they're continuing to put out consistent play, and not only consistent play, but winning by wide margins, which in this case, San Francisco and New England, they've done this season. So that's my response. So along the same lines as you, Jarrell. Now the last question here we'll take before we wrap up is uh, Ravens World. It's a Ravens football account on Instagram. They cover the team. They post the team. They want to know... If there's any player out there that's available ahead of next Tuesday's trade deadline, what player should Baltimore target to help bolster their team? Wow, that's uh, that's very tough of a situation. Um, I think me personally, I would have to address. Uh, I would have to personally address their uh, their receiving their receiving core. I think that uh, Marlon Brown's been great this year, but I think that they have to add. Um, just some other type of guy that'll be able to get open for Lamar Jackson. As we've all seen, um, he's been explosive uh, offensively. He's been explosive with his uh, legs and and design runs and, and everything of that nature. But in order to get uh, over the hump, and as we see, when you face a team like they're going to be facing coming off their bye in the in the New England Patriots, he's going to be able he's going to have to be able to throw himself out of some situations. It's not going to always be uh, using his legs in order to be successful. So. It's going to be tough to get a guy like A.J. Yearing, obviously, within the division that they have. But uh, if they have an opportunity to get a guy like Larry Fitzgerald uh, uh, or another top-tier receiver uh, to help bolster their, uh, their receiving core, I think that that would be a great addition for their team. For me, one player that I think Baltimore should go out and get before the trade deadline, and this makes a whole lot of sense, it's Dolphin safety Rashad Jones, who's been disgruntled in that organization for a long time. And Baltimore, I know they acquired Marcus Peters with Jimmy Smith, who's been battling an MCL sprain, Tavon Young on IR with a neck injury since week one. But they lost Tony Jefferson with a torn ACL, and then this past week they lost their other starting safety, Deshaun Elliott, to a knee injury. So if you're GM Eric DaCosta, I'd certainly pick up the phone and call Miami and see what it would take to get a Pro Bowl caliber safety, Rashad Jones, to pair with Earl Thomas there in Baltimore. I think Jones would fit that Baltimore scheme 
very well. So that's one player that I'd say would make a lot of sense for the Ravens moving forward. For the rest of the questions, we apologize for not being able to get to them. Keep them coming, though. Next week, we'll do the same. So that'll do it for today's podcast. So Jarrell, again, man, I appreciate you taking the time to chat some football here as we get to week eight of the NFL season. So take care. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. Man, I appreciate it. Uh, as always, it's always a pleasure to be able to uh, share my insight about football um, and always uh, have an opportunity to stay around the game. Fans, continue to keep sending in your questions. Uh, we're always excited to read over them and have an opportunity to, to discuss them on the show. And uh, let's just continue to keep uh, getting better with our uh, with our podcast. So we're excited. Take care. God bless. And we'll be in contact. All right, man. Thank you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.